So Isaiah 9, we're starting at verse 1. It says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future where Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. There will be a fuel for the fire, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of Christmas. And we ask that you open your, your word to our hearts and minds this morning as we draw close to you. Amen. So we talked a little bit in passing last week about um, titling sermons and that we, you have, we have these, t- I don't know who says we have to have titles for sermons, but we have to have a title for a sermon. And so I named this week and next this kind of series, Oh Holy Night. Now, partly because I thought it sounded cool, um, but there's actually a deeper meaning for it. And it's not because I'm going to base the sermon fully around a song necessarily, but um, the idea of, of, of Christmas, I was thinking through Christmas and Christmas music, and there's all these different genres of Christmas itself, as well as, as music. There's like childhood memories and traditions and the parties and the fun kind of things. There's the goodwill, like the good spirit to each other, the generosity, Christmas spirit, if you like. And then there's a child born in a manger who changed the world. And that's where our primary focus should be. So in all the things Christmas... All the things that go on, all the lights, all the songs, all the parties, all the, the, the goodwill, all the good feeling. I wanted to take a pause and consider the holiest of nights. This night filled with incredible love, with so much anticipation and so much realized hope. And the idea um, for the message kind of came out of uh, our community group. We, we do this icebreaker questions, which originally started when no one knew each other. And so we would start, you know, as you do with an icebreaker question. And, we, you know, and now, what, three is on, we still have an icebreaker question. And sometimes we spend longer trying to decide what the icebreaker question should be than we do anything else. But one of the questions recently was, what's your favorite Christmas song? And so even as I ask you what your favorite Christmas song is, I'm sure there's ones that jump to mind. Um, at Thanksgiving, Shay's parents were in town, and so um, they were with us for a couple of days, and, and uh, my mother-in-law starts playing Christmas music at, at Thanksgiving, because that's the rule, apparently. And, and she has a particular genre favorite of Christmas music, which is that kind of background piano. Imagine you're in an airport at Christmas, and there's someone playing that music. You know what I mean? That kind of music, which is... is Fine, but I find that kind of Christmas music, that kind of piano playing, you know, can become a little depressing 
after seven hours. You know, it just feels like it's just droning on a little bit. Um, and it's not kind of my favorite, but if you think of the genres of Christmas song, I kind of come up with a few. There's the sort of um, classic Christmas song, like the I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas kind of song. There's the kids' songs, the Jingle Bells, that kind of, that kind of group. There's the, my favorite, like the more pop songs, you know, like the, the Shaken Stevens, the Gwen Stefani, like that kind of, like it reminds me, it's a Christmas party, you know, we're going we're gonna to dance with our colleagues we like barely. And it's, that's going to be Christmas, it's going to be fun. And there's the religious songs, you know, the ones that have some degree of poetic license, but they're s sort of a religious um, Christmas carol. But they all paint a different picture of these different elements of Christmas. Like whether it's, it's candles or mistletoe or parties or, or presents or carefree community, whatever it is. And when I think of Christmas, as many songwriters did, I think of cold and I think of snow. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. In fact, we had a, a white Christmas in, when we lived in Washington State one year. It, it started to snow during the evening Christmas Eve services. Um, so we, we came in, and well, we, we were already there, but people came in and then we left to snowfall and it was beautiful. And then it didn't stop snowing. And then we were a little bit scared we were going to be snowed into the church at midnight during the midnight service. But it was, it was beautiful and it was amazing. And there was like two feet of snow on Christmas morning. And, and it was that Christmas where you open gifts and play in the snow. And it was amazing. And I have memories of being in, in school in England and singing all those songs like in, in the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan, earth stood hard as iron, water like a snow. Uh, snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow on snow in the bleak midwinter long, long ago. Now that is not exactly a picture of Bethlehem, which is about 50 degrees at this time of year. And there's plenty of research and theories and speculation about why we celebrate Christ's birth at December 25th. There's no real firm conclusions. Some believe it's, it's actually close to the actual birth of Jesus. If you take into account other elements from scripture, like Zechariah's ministry in the temple and, and that kind of thing. Others believe that the season itself is probably accurate, but maybe not the date. Um, others disagree with that because there was sheep grazing on the hillside, and then you've got to figure out the season for that, and that doesn't quite, quite line up. And others suggest it was this date set by the Romans to overthrow pagan festivals that were happening at that time, both um, symbolically and, and literally to replace them. But whatever the reason, to me at least, Lester Shea, who's from California, um, I think Christmas should be cold and dark. Um, and actually, that's one of the theories of why Christmas is when it is, because the Christmas story is set in darkness. In that passage from Isaiah, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. 700 years before um, Jesus was born, before that first Christmas, Isaiah the prophet predicts his birth. And he paints this powerful picture of what it looks like to live before Jesus comes to us. And it's in darkness. Isaiah says that Christmas is for people walking in darkness, which is important for us to hear because there is so much darkness in our world and around us. Now, for context's sake, um, this passage is talking about the darkness of the circumstances of God's people at the time. They were facing judgment. It talks about this darkness and despair. God's people were in trouble. The great nation of Assyria was starting to invade, and these people were known for their brutality. They were coming as ultimately God's judgment on the nation for their unfaithfulness. But even in the midst of this judgment, Israel had a word from God to this faithful remnant 
this faithful remnant that remained inside a largely unfaithful nation. And it was a word about a light, a light coming in the darkness, that not all was lost, that God was at work. And the chapter opened with this word, nevertheless. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and of Thali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future where the Galilee of the Gentiles will be filled with glory. Now, often this happens in Scripture. God tells us about something awful that's happening or, or going to happen, and it's because of our sin usually. And then he follows it with this nevertheless or, or a, a but of the gospel because that's how his heart works. We are unfaithful. He is faithful. We are sinful. He saves sinners. We are in darkness, but he is light. There was darkness and despair, but there will be light and there will be hope. And that is the gospel. Now, God's people in Isaiah's day, they had to wait for it to come. But although this is written as a prophecy, something to come in the future, it's written as something that has already happened because it's not a maybe from God. This wasn't um, a plan that he was thinking about. It was an assurance. God is saying to them, and he's saying to us, that the hopeful future in Christ is already complete. The victory already won. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And God isn't asking for anything. He's telling them what's coming. All they had to do is see it by faith. Faith sees what God is doing behind or beyond the present circumstances. It sees light in the darkness. And we don't have to look far to see darkness, to see conflict around us. We experience it every day, even in the season, this season of, of, of peace and goodwill toward each other. There's darkness of ignorance, where we really don't have a clue how to live life, how to make life work. We're making it up as we go along. We're finding our way in the dark. There's a darkness in secrecy, where we hide our true self. We avoid vulnerability because we can't bear for the reality of who we are to be brought to light. And there's a deep darkness of death. As many of you know, my, my mom died on Christmas morning last year, and I'm experiencing a little bit of, of new grief in moments as, as I address Christmas cards this year, and there's one less to write. And I know others know what that feels like. This may be a first Christmas for you without a loved one, or maybe it's not, maybe it's been years, maybe there's been many Christmases but there's still that pain of a missing person at the dinner table. And it remains just as raw as it did years ago. Loving relationships can feel hard to come by and death robs us of them. So we can look at the world, see the darkness, find only hopelessness and shattered dreams and just conclude that God has abandoned us, forgotten us, or in our present darkness, as we look around, we can remember God's past mercies. We can see his present grace and we look towards his future promise. There's real darkness, yes, but behind even the darkest of nights stands the bright light of Jesus. From Isaiah, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. 
It's for people walking in darkness, deep darkness, where darkness surrounds them. You feel it. Christmas is for those walking in darkness. And for them, this great light will shine. The people walking in darkness, again, for context's sake, in this particular passage, is referring to, as it said, the land between the Jordan and the sea, the Galilee of the Gentiles. So Galilee is in the north. That's where um, enemy armies would often attack from. So constantly under the threat of attack, the, the Galileans knew new suffering. They, 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 they lived in that place. And Isaiah is saying hope would first come to those who suffered most. They would be the first to see this dawning light out ahead. And Galilee is where Jesus began his ministry. Those walking in darkness found themselves ushered gently into the light of Christ. He went there first so that this prophecy would be fulfilled. Jesus was saying he is the light of Isaiah 9. And then in verse 3, you will enlarge the nation of Israel. This remnant in God's care grows and grows and grows. And at the end of Scripture, the end of the Bible in Revelation, it grows into a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages that cry out with one voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The God of promises, promised this way back in Genesis, that Abraham would multiply, that his children would multiply into a nation of people. And God keeps his promises. As the light spreads, so does the joy. As the light spreads, the gloom, the darkness is replaced by joy and rejoicing. You'll enlarge the nation of Israel as people will rejoice. They'll rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, like warriors dividing the plunder. So it, um, Isaiah uses two metaphors. He uses the joy of farmers at a harvest, the, the, the payout of all the big work, like an end-of-year bonus, and then the joy of soldiers dividing the spoil, the, the joy, the victory after battle. And the important thing is they didn't do anything to achieve it. They didn't accomplish it through their hard work. In fact, they didn't really have a hand in it at all. The first two phrases in verse 3 begin with you. You, God, have multiplied the nation. You, God, have increased its joy. All the activity is on God's side. God does it, and his people rejoice. God plants, and the people harvest. God fights, and the people get the spoils. God, in grace, wins the prize for them. God's people walked in darkness, but the hope of Christmas shines beyond their circumstance. A light has come to banish the darkness. And that's why we throw lights on Christmas trees, why the streets are lined with sporadically placed stars on lampposts. When we lived in in Washington in December, we would drive home in different ways to detour around the neighborhoods and look at um, various houses decorated with lights outside and find the best ones, who has the best display. It incidentally was never ours. Uh, I would begrudgingly put one string of lights along the roof line because Shay would make me. The other week, Stanley had the opportunity to sing at the Christmas tree lighting at the Stock Exchange, uh, and a quick Google search told me that there's been thousands of people gathering to see the tree lighting at Rockefeller Center since the 30s. This year, it's an 80-foot Norway spruce with 50,000 lights and a 900-pound star that has 3 million crystals on top. And we do it because we look for a, a light to drive away the darkness, something to shine in the dark. And Isaiah promises what we're looking for, but this light 
this light is a baby. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. God's solution to the darkness of our lives is to send a baby boy. The baby, a light for a dark world. Who is there calls a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And 700 years later, this baby's born, he grows up, and then we see he really is the mighty God. He made the blind see, the lame walk. He calmed a storm with just a word. He led a whole village speechless when he ordered a girl to rise from the dead. We see that he is the wonderful counselor as he amazed crowds with his wisdom and his authority. We see he is the everlasting father as he displayed fatherly care and compassion for the people he'd created and promised to take care of us forever. We see that he is the prince of peace as Jesus came to deal with war that is behind all our wars and make peace between us and God and bring unity between us. If you ever wonder how God feels about you, don't look up in the sky to consider it. Look down at the manger because God sent his son. And as he does so, he sends us himself. A God who gives himself to us through his son is the greatest gift anyone could be given. As Jesus comes as one of us, he comes to do life as one of us. He lives the good life that I should live. On the cross, he dies the death that I should die. And he rises again, marches out of that valley of death and straight to the father of light. And he does it carrying us with him. And that's what it means to take the government on his shoulders. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. If you ever feel like the world is on your shoulders, maybe even more so at Christmas, the word of God tells you that the government will rest on his shoulders. So give up that pretense, that pressure of being in charge. Being the, the ruler of your own life is a heavy burden we were never meant to bear. Christmas is a call to hand it over to Jesus. None of us can carry our government on our shoulders. We're not supposed to face the darkness on our own. There in the manger is the one who's come this infinite distance to be with you, to show himself to be for you, and to guide you in the way you are meant to go. So hand it to him. Don't miss God's gift to you this Christmas. Isaiah promises this gift, and he says it's for us. Because out of the darkness, in the holiest of nights, a child is born to us. A son is given to us. Jesus is a gift given to us, addressed to you. So don't, don't do the darkness. Don't walk the darkness by yourself. And don't simply embrace the warm, spiced cider feelings of the season. But unwrap the present. Receive Christ. Celebrate the true light of life this year. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. That on that holy night, you sent what we needed that only you could provide. You sent your son. You sent your son to 
to live among us and to save us, to reconcile us back to you. And gratitude doesn't feel a strong enough word, but we are indebted to you. We love you. We're thankful for your great love for us. Amen.